in, t- in today's world, the resume is almost non-existent, right? Because everybody knows everybody BSs on the resume anyway. Uh, as you are championing this show, I'm looking forward to the failure resume. Like, tell me all the things you failed at and then what you learned from it. That's the resume I want to look at. This is Ev Money, best-selling author and global entrepreneur. I'm Sonia, and this is the Plan B podcast. Here we talk about instances when Plan A didn't work out, how to pivot to get on with Plan B, and what learnings stay with us as part of the experience. Evan went to what he calls Surf Bomb University. He got fired from every job and self-sabotaged himself for most of his early life. After failing in the school system and not finding a place in the corporate world, he relied on being a rebel entrepreneur to find his purpose. We will talk about quote-unquote failure university, how the education system means pain and problems for many, and how self-worth and self-love are critical to success. What makes a good entrepreneur and the entrepreneurial mindset, and the value of patience in a fast-paced world. Evans, I'm so, so excited to have you on the podcast today. Um, I actually met you on Clubhouse the other day when we were in a podcasting room um, and we were having a really, really good conversation and I was super excited to get you on. So thank you so much for being here with me. No, it's a treat. I we, we, You travel from Germany to the UK and now it's UK and LA and excited for the show. True, truly international here. Truly yes. international. Can you give us and the listeners a little bit of an intro of who you are and what you do? Sure. So the coined intro, right, is what I'm most proud of, which is my bride and I are happily married. Uh, multiple time, number one best-selling author, global entrepreneur, filmmaker, and self-diagnosed ADD visionary. So that is me. That is a great intro. And, and so is there like an off-coin intro? Is there like a a quirky intro that is only reserved for special occasions or is this the official one? Uh, well, for this format, right? But it's such a great, I mean, we could go off a total deep tangent, right? Well, okay, we'll strip away, right? Like with the, the titles, right? Okay, let's get the titles out of the way. Okay, and then let's, okay, take our makeup off, right? And then let's like, for guys, let's take our masks off, right? Like, who are you? And it's like, wow, who who am I? It's that, that's a question most Americans want to avoid at all costs. And so that's, <laughs> that's why they dive into whatever distraction and clubhouse and this and that, right? Because, um, so yeah, when you ask that intro, right? It's like, oh, we could, that's a, that's a super deep tangent that we could go on to, but for this Fair format, enough. right, we'll give you the, that one. Well, hopefully we'll find out a little bit more about the deeper you and, uh, you know, um, on this podcast when we'll talk about your mistakes and your failures and some of the situations that you want, that you want to talk about. But you're a super interesting individual and there's a lot to you. And yeah, so I'm, I'm super excited to dive into that later today. Um, so on this podcast, we're talking about times when plan A didn't work out and we talk about plan B's and um, we have previously talked about, you know, the differences between failures and mistakes and, and different viewpoints on that, because depending on where you are in your journey, you will have a different notion of it. Um, and you will probably also have a different level of stigma um, associated with it. Mm. So the first question I always ask is like, what is what are mistakes or failures to do to you and what do they mean? Mm. What are they to you and what do they mean? So for me, what I like to do, Sonia, is I have, and I'll channel my inner Hamilton. I don't know if Hamilton's made it to the UK, but uh, so Hamilton and I, with our four college credits to our name, <laughs> so high, higher education uh, wasn't my thing, although I now have a PhD, which is kind of fun. So what I've, as far as failure and mistakes and all that go, what I finally realized is that 
it's only a failure if you don't learn something. And so I was like, okay, so what if I equated all my personal, like for me, the business fail, we'll start with business failures. What if I equated my business failures with, okay, how much money did I lose? Because that's typically what happens, right? Okay, so I lost this money. It's a failure, right? So I equated that lost income, that lost money, those lost investments to what it would cost me to a degree in higher education. So in America, we have things called like an AA degree or a bachelor's degree or a master's degree or a PhD, right? So I have all those degrees in failures that I put on my wall. So I have a PhD in real estate investing because I've had massive failures in that. I've got a PhD in the automobile industry because I've had some massive failure in there. I've got some master's degrees in other subjects, <laughs> that I've lost money in. It's like, oh yeah, that was a master's degree level loss and that, but it wasn't a loss, right? It was a learned event. And so I cherish them like other people cherished, you know, their big degrees and put it on the wall. So for me, that's how I equated it with, okay, it's a learning lesson. What did I learn? And let me put it on the wall. So I'm not, so I don't make that mistake again. So in the business world, again, Master's or PhD in real estate, PhD in automobiles. And if this show was like a week long, I could probably squeeze all my failures into that <laughs> length of show. But again, I learned from each one. So again, it became a learning opportunity and a chance to have it as a something to brag about and a badge of courage rather than fall into the guilt and shame game. So I can proudly say, yeah, man, I lost a ton of money doing that. And people are like, oh, wow, he talks about it. Absolutely. That is amazing. I've never, I've never thought about it like that, but it actually makes total sense. And in terms of learning experience, it's probably the equivalent, really. When you go through those failures or mistakes, you do learn a lot. So it's, it's definitely equivalent to a master's degree or a PhD degree. Sadly, so many people don't learn. They instantly go to shame and guilt and, oh my gosh. And the first thing that shame and guilt wants you to do is hide. Hide it in the dark, right? You always hear about the dark night of the soul. In, in today's world, the resume is almost non-existent, right? Because everybody knows, everybody BSs on the resume anyway. Uh, as you are championing this show, I'm looking forward to the failure resume. Like, tell me all the things you failed at and then what you learned from it. That's the resume I want to look at as a business owner. I don't want you to fluff up like, oh yeah, I did this and this and this. It's like, no, no. Tell me everything you failed at, what you learned, and that's why you're so much better. Just you bringing this podcast out is such a great paradigm shift and a reshape for people. Because for me, what I've discovered, and this is worldwide too, it's not this COVID-19 is the big pandemic. You know, the most exercise people get, Sonia, is running from responsibility rather than actually owning it and saying, yeah, I did that. And here's what I learned. And this is why I'm going to be better for it. And so you look at American politics or worldwide politics. It's all about, oh, how do we shape this? How do we spin this? Don't tell anybody what happened. It's like, I'm waiting. I'm so waiting. And I think it's going to come, especially in this younger generation where you're going to have what I call... The uh, the eight mile, you know, that was that Eminem movie, but the the failure yeah. candidate where a candidate's going to step up and go, look, I screwed up in this. I failed in this. I got this girl pregnant. I did this, this and like list 20 things that normally everybody would try to hide and mm -hmm. go. But I learned from them. And this is why I'm going to be a great leader. 
I'm already voting for that guy, right? Show me that guy <laughs> willing to put that up front. So that's a long answer, short question, but that's kind of that, that the reshift and the paradigm shift of, of true failure. I love that idea of the failure resume. Uh, one thing that I'm really fascinated about is when that switch happens in our minds, because you know, when we're young children, we don't care when we make mistakes. We don't care when we break things. But then at some point, it gets sort of pounced into us that when you make a mistake, you need to hide, you need to be ashamed, you need to feel bad about it. Why do you think that happens? The why, I don't know. But for me and my bride, we are non-religious people, but we are deeply faith-based because they're totally polar opposite things. But historically, there was a figure named Jesus. I mean, you don't have to believe in him at all, but just some of the things that he taught, the wisdom is like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And he was always insulting, probing, chiding his followers to have more child, like you're talking about, this childlike faith. I mean, literally, he would say things like, if you don't approach what I'm trying to teach you like a child, you're not going to get it. And when you look at sport, you look at the best players, the ones that are the most dangerous players are the ones that are having the most fun. They're the ones that are having that childlike zeal that, oh, yeah, like I remember even Zidane back in the day. Yeah, we're just so excited. Woo, let's have some fun, right? You know, the people that are changing the world, right? Like Elon Musk is a perfect example, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh man, he's just this kid coming up with these great ideas, right? So I think you really hit on it, whether you want to take a faith-based look at it, a religious look at it, or just a, just a regular look at it. The more we can be like children, the better we're off in so many areas. When we're young, we're more flexible. We're just like, okay, yeah, go with the flow, right? We're just like, oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, we got all these great ideas. We're super excited, right? So there's wisdom there to go back to that childlike faith of, all right, well, this didn't work. So let's figure something else out instead of, ah, right? You know, only adults yeah. do that. No, that's true. And great wisdom, Sonia. There's a person that uh, he's quite polarizing in the, in the marketing world, Gary V. Say about him whatever you want, but he has this one thing which I really enjoy and agree with, which is it's just mm. a game. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, but you just move on. You know, you take the learnings from it and you just move on. And I really like that way of thinking and it, it really resonates with me. I don't always get it right. You know, I, I'm extremely competitive, um, but I think it's a very interesting way of thinking. And once you get that right, I think it unlocks a lot of opportunities, um, that way of thinking. So it's really interesting. It's really interesting that you were talking about education and, and sort of putting education as an equivalent to failures and degrees equivalent to failure, because I know that the situation that you want to talk about today is sort of linked to that. Do you want to explain a little bit more around which failure we'll be talking about today? So it's fascinating because when we, we talked in Clubhouse and you brought up this idea uh, off air, I was sharing the story about another friend of mine. Uh, he's got a podcast and we were saying, you know what we should do? We should do a show on all the times we got fired, you know, and just and talk about, you know, what we were thinking, what our mindset was and all that, like the firing show. I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. And what was so fascinating, Sonia, is the whole reason I even connected to this guy because now it's like it's it, it's so interesting because in, in the old world, right, pre-COVID, right, you'd actually bump into somebody like in your world, like, yeah, I bumped into this guy at the pub. And yeah, we were talking another, right? And in LA, right, there's all these groups. Now it's like, oh, I, I saw him on Clubhouse or I heard him here, right? So I heard this guy in a podcast and I so resonated with him, Sonia. And I was like, and the reason I so resonated with him, like my heart was jumping up and down like a Mac icon, right? I was just like, this is my guy. He's my tribe, right? Because the whole show, he talked about his failures. 
he talked about being this massive failure and that's what led to his greatest success. So just that whole mindset around that. And then when you're on Clubhouse talking about, yeah, I'm, I'm starting this new podcast. We're talking about plan Bs and what didn't work out. I was like, yes, that's the coolest thing ever. Oh my gosh. Da, da, da. So I have so many, but going back to like, we, we were talking about off air, it was almost, uh, there was an old, I don't know if the social media seems even around, bumble upon or stumble, right? That was my journey through life because I, unlike you, Sonia, and I appreciate you sharing uh, what you shared earlier about your experience. Like in America, we have what's called high school and traditional public school. So born and raised in Los Angeles, I was incarcerated in the LA County school system for 12 years. So I couldn't wait to get out, right? Just get me out. But I was programmed from a young age to do what they told me to do, which is you need to go to school and then get a job. And I'm like, okay, that's what everybody does, right? And so I just had this mindset of worker bee, survival, you know, life sucks, then you die. That was kind of the message. So in Los Angeles, uh, I only saw three options when it came to relationships, Sonia. It was, you could be married and miserable, you could be divorced and desperate, or you could be single and cynical. And even early on, I'm like, I refuse to do that. And then this whole life sucks and then you die, right? Like, oh, you, you got to go to work so you can actually do what you want to do. Like, I'm free on the weekends, right? I get to do my thing. While all my friends were in college, I went to what's called Surf Bum University, Sonia. They're, everyone's like, what school is that? I'm like, oh, no, I didn't go to school. I just went surfing. <laughs> <laughs> So work was something I did in between surfing, right? Because I was like, okay, if life sucks and then you die, I was like, well, I want to do what I want to do, which is surf. And so all these jobs, I don't think I ever left a job. I always got fired. I, like, I didn't really want to be there anyway. And subconsciously, I would find a way to self-sabotage or do something or push the envelope and, you know, either get in a fight with a boss or do some stuff or, you know, you know, I was good at uh, maximizing the gray areas where that wasn't exactly illegal, but it necessarily wasn't legal. And I was always trying to push the envelope. I could look at all the countless jobs I had and all the firings that I got fired from. But you talk about this plan B, the simple truth, Sonia, I never even had a plan A. I was just like, okay, I'm just this product of the system. So what I did have was a good thing was a streak of rebellion in me. So what I call myself as a rebel entrepreneur, that was the only reason I started a business. It was like, to rebel at like, okay, I'm never going to, I don't ever want to get a job again. So I'll just rebel and be an entrepreneur. And then for my bride and I looking at, you know, married and miserable, divorced and desperate, single and cynical, I'm like, I want to rebel and live happily ever after. You know what? We're going to have a happily ever after marriage. My bride and I, for those that don't know, we get remarried in a different state or country every year, Sonia. So I've had 27 weddings and count them 27 honeymoons. Yes. That and is the sex amazing. is absolutely fantastic. Can I just go back on one of the questions as you were just talking? Because I think a lot of young people are feeling very similar to, to what you just described. You know, they feel <laughs> imprisoned by the school system. They feel the school system doesn't give them what they need. Can you just explain to me a little bit more what you were missing from the school system? Because as you said, I had a little bit of a different experience. Why did they fail to engage you at the time? Yeah, I think for me, the, the challenge was... Uh, for those that are listening that feel like their life is filled with pain and problems, if you boil it all down, it comes down to self-worth and self-love. Because what I find, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was raised in a normal dysfunctional family, Sonia. Parents were divorced in an early age. Both sides were a mess. Like my mom's side was like talk show host, like crazy, crazy. Um, my dad's side was a whole nother craziness. And so as a young boy, I was starving for male mentorship. I didn't even know how to ask. My self-worth was basically lower than a pregnant aunt. 
So when I had a super low self-image, when you get in a junior high and a high school uh, type environment, like everything was great until sixth grade. Young kids school was kind of fun because you had friends to play with. We could play sports. That was cool. But once you started getting to middle school and high school and you had the social interaction, my self-image was so low. I think that's why it was so destructive. Because now you're the target for the bullies and you're just like, what am I doing here? This is a waste of time. I'm not one of the cool kids, right? And just trying to find your place, but not even knowing what your place is. So I was this lost soul. For me, it really came down to the lack of father power in my life. And then getting in the workforce, I was still lost, right? Like, who am I? What am I supposed to be doing? What's going on? And all I had was the rebel streak. Okay, I know I don't like this. (laughs) Okay, so I'll just do this. Through this journey, my bride and I, again, we started to figure it out together. Like, okay, if we want to live happily ever after, wow, in order for things to improve, I have to improve. In order for things to get better, I have to get better. In order for things to grow, like my bank account, like our intimacy levels, like my vocabulary, I need to grow. And so we finally, I finally figured out, wow, it's all about building me. And now I spend a lot of my time, I'm blessed at at this point in my life to be able to guide and mentor people of greatness, whether they're billionaire CEOs or, you know, cutting edge people in the entertainment industry or they're young millennials, uh, male, female, whatever. They all come to me with the same pain and problems and it all comes down to self-love and self-worth. I have one friend who's the envy of everybody, rich, famous, everything, and a bank balance, right, that everybody's trying to get to. He hasn't taken a day off because his self-worth is tied to his performance because where how he was raised, everything was conditional. You, know, you had to perform to get love. And so subconsciously, because his, his self-worth and self-love quest, he never figured it out. He equates that with, oh, I got to perform. I got to make money. What did you want to be when you grow up? Did you have a dream? I think as a kid, I wanted to be an athlete. Uh, because I love playing sports. And when you're a small fish in a small pond, it was like, oh, yeah, and I, I gravitated toward professional football, uh, American football. And I think I gravitated towards because that because that was the only thing I saw that was masculinity. Then I became a small fish in a big pond. I realized I wasn't that fast. <laughs> I wasn't that good. It was like, wow, everybody's faster than me. What's going on? And then again, that was another part, right, of like, oh, well, I can't run as fast as them. I'm not worthy anymore. I think that was part of it. Always that dream of of being a professional athlete. So much so that in my 30s, Sonia, I actually tried out for a professional American football team. Really? Yes. And I remember showing up and they handed me the the t-shirt. In in America, they call it like a free agent camp. Mm -hmm. And a free agent is someone who you know, you're able to be signed by this team. So they they had a t-shirt that had the team's logo. It's a free agent camp. I remember weeping, just getting the t-shirt. I'm like, I'm here. I'm a professional football player. So awesome. And then uh, going back to our failure theme, right? At the end of the day, the coach grabs a select group of us. He looks at all of us and he says, okay, men, don't call us. We'll call you. I'm like, mm, I don't think that's very good. And then, it, then just to make sure he got the point across, he said, don't call us thinking we lost your number. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> Oh, okay. I get it now. I get it. Okay. (laughs) I learned my lesson, but I can honestly say I got to play professional football for one day. After you came out of that school system and after you were failing to find your place in the corporate world, what did you do? What was your plan B? A buddy of mine who convinced me to quit my other job and come work at this company. We were having a lot of fun at this company. It was in the extreme sports world. And we were the highest producers in that company. We were having the most fun. And I realized there's a lot of people that don't like people having fun or being happy. My buddy and I, we were having a blast. 
we were making money. The the comp we were help we were the biggest performers in that company. But ended up that the owner of the company was kind of jealous of us and didn't really like us. And he's like, "You guys are a distraction. I can't believe what's going on." Da, 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 da. So finally, we're like, "Man, this isn't that hard. We could do this. Yeah, let's start our own company." So I start a business. What I say is on a half a shoestring budget and a prayer. We had no money. We had no business plan. How we pulled it off, I'm still just like, I can't believe we even pulled this thing off. Unbelievable. So we ended up starting our own company. And basically, we had another company that they didn't give us money, but they gave us product for like a like a net 90. Like, hey, you know, here's some product, sell it, pay us back. And so less than six months later, my partner bails. <laughs> so it's just me. We started this company the same month my bride and I got married. So we just stumbled along, right? Failure after failure after failure after failure. And it wasn't tell what I said earlier when I finally figured out in order for things to get better, I had to get better. And the more I started working on my self-image, and it is very interesting as my business started to grow, as I grew personally, the big turnaround for me, Sonia, happened when you talk about failures, right? One of the biggest failures I think all men and women make is the failure of forgiveness and the failure of not forgiving someone. For 15 years, Sonia, I did not speak to my father who lived in a three mile radius from me that whole time. I would drive by his house and shake my fist. I was mad at my dad and I was proud of it. I was president of the Father-Son Issues Club. I mean, that was me, mad at my dad, right? Because he, he didn't spend time with us. He kind of bailed on us, right? The whole thing. When I finally forgave my dad, I tripled my income that year. That's not a coincidence. That's when the company started to skyrocket. And I was like, who else can I forgive? Right? I mean, <laughs> really leverage this. So I do a whole list. Yeah. So I do a whole big talk seminar, a whole big teaching on ROF, which is the return of forgiveness. So now I'm blessed to teach people all over the world this value of ROF. I've got some great stories. This guy increased his income 900 times and doing the same thing I did by forgiving his father. But it all started with that forgiveness journey. And so I think that's one of the biggest failures that people make. One of the things that I find really interesting is the connection between entrepreneurship and the individual. I think you do need to be a certain type of person to be a good entrepreneur. It is a quite unique lifestyle. It's something that we're not taught. You know, most entrepreneurs who are really good at what they do figure it out themselves. So what would you say are unique things about the entrepreneur mindset that you would have loved to know before? I would just love to know that it was a possibility. I literally wept when I read some of Richard Branson's books. And I'm like, oh my gosh, here's a guy just as wacky as me. You know, at the, at the time, right, he was, you know, in company 350. And I was feeling like a loser because I had like four or five companies. In the social circles, everybody were job people, right? And then the entrepreneurs, they had their one thing, right? You know, it's my one company, right? And I'm just like, well, I got four or five and I'm juggling all this stuff. And, da, da. and so to me, I just wanted to know that it was possible and that it was okay. And so Richard Branson really opened up an area and really healed like a father wound to me of just knowing that, hey, it's okay to own more than one company. It's okay to build a business this way. And so to bring it back to the person that's listening, that's like, well, I'm not an entrepreneur. Guess what? That's okay too. And so to me, the, the big answer for that question is knowing that whatever life people want to create, it's okay. 90 is old. <laughs> if you're under 90, you're not old. So with that, for younger generation people now, like my kids, for example, they can see this YouTube world. YouTube University is super powerful. So I think now that the younger generation has a bigger idea of what the possibilities are. One of the things that I've noticed a lot on social media, and the, especially the younger generation, they're so impatient. 
you know, they're just turning 18 or just turning 20 and they're like, oh, I haven't figured it out yet. Like, I don't know what I want to do yet. Or, oh, I'm, I don't have a big business yet or I'm not famous yet. They don't realize that they have their whole lives in front of them. And some of the craziest and biggest entrepreneur nowadays, you know, they started their businesses when they were 30, 40, 50. It takes time and experiences to become a successful entrepreneur, because as you said, you need to figure out all the different possibilities. You need to figure out all the different ways how you can do things and, and get to know different parts of the world and different people so that you can understand what you really like. And you can't do that when you just come out of university. You know, you just haven't experienced enough. You haven't banked enough to sort of source from that to then become whatever you want to become. This super young generation has been birthed in what's called comparitis because now they're looking at everybody's feeds. They're looking at everybody's stuff and look what everybody's doing. And that, that's a scroll. I call it the desk scroll. If you're scrolling, you've got pain and problem because by nature, that's what's going to happen. You know, very few people post their failures on social media, right? It's all about, oh, look at me in the good light. Oh, look at my picture. Look at me in this travel. Look at me. Look at me. You know, our generation, we saw pre-social media and all this stuff was in America, all the childhood actors turn out really wacky. Because at that young age, what they're asked to do messes with your mind. And it's the same thing with social media. At a young age, when you're exposed to all this comparitis, it just eats at you. So you think, oh, if I haven't figured it all out by 18, I'm a loser. And you have to ask better questions of yourself. So the greatest question you can ask is not what do I want to do, but how do I want to live? And some people are just like, hey, I just want to work at a nine to five and be an accountant and type in numbers all day. Awesome. Other people just like, man, I just want to be a mom. Awesome. Other people are like, I don't want to live anywhere, right? I want to do this whole millennial movement where I just travel the world. Awesome, right? It's how do you want to live and understanding that you can do that and realize like, oh yeah, it's a little, it's not what I thought it was going to be, right? And be okay to, here's a cool word that wasn't around in my day. It's called pivoting, right? That's a new word now. It's like, oh yeah, just pivot, right? So that's acceptable now. It's kind of cool. So I just encourage people, how do you want to live? Go do it. And then you may find, hey, this isn't as cool as I thought. So let me go do this and let me go do that. And let me go to that. And again, depending on the season, right? So it's winter in the middle of the UK and it's snowing, right? So if you don't like throwing snowballs, right? You're not running around outside. But when it's sunny and warm and beautiful, you guys are at the park, you're hanging out, right? So it's understanding that there are different seasons. And bottom line is it's okay to be you and you are incredibly valuable and it's just discovering your unique gifts and abilities. But you can't do that when you're looking at everybody else's feeds. <laughs> you got to focus in on you and say, okay, what can I bring to the world? What can I do here? So that's the one cool thing. Again, Clubhouse plug, right? On the Clubhouse, it's this audio platform, right? So that you're not distracted by the pictures and all this stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, let's just have a conversation, right? So that's what I love about podcasting, too. It's like, hey, let's have a conversation. Let's see how other people are living. Hey, maybe I can incorporate some of that crazy stuff that Evan Money's talking about. Or I love what Sonia's talking about. Where, hey, I can love my career, but I can have a podcast, too. It's okay. This conversation was just so much fun. I'm so excited to have met you. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. If people want to keep following you and, and say, you know, follow your adventures of marrying every single year, how can they follow you? We've created a whole marriage of greatness course. And you can start at evanlovesusan.com. Thank you so much for your time today. It was so much fun. Thank you so much for sharing your plan B with us today. 